Good morning, Life Christian Center. It's good to be with you uh, this beautiful morning, and we hope that you are already experiencing and feeling the power and the presence of God at work uh, in your hearts and in your homes this morning. This week, I felt the Lord begin to direct me to Luke chapter 14, more specifically to the parable of the great banquet, which expands one of the major biblical metaphors for the kingdom of God. Now, this was not a, a new question or conversation uh, as we find it in Luke chapter 14. Uh, this, again, wasn't something that was kind of new on the radar. In fact, uh, this had been uh, an ongoing or active conversation for some almost 700 years that really began uh, in Isaiah chapter 25. And if you get time this week, uh, which we all know that we have, all right, uh, I would encourage you to go and to read Isaiah chapter 25, and I think it will just kind of uh, help solidify some of what we're going to talk about this morning. You see, there in Isaiah chapter five, uh, 25, we find that Isaiah dreams of a great banquet to be held at the uh, end of time or end of history, which will be prepared by the Lord of hosts himself. Now, it will be held on his holy mountain, and the guest list will include people from all nations, all specifically Gentile nations. Death at that time will be at an end. Uh, there will be no more tears. They will all be wiped away, and it will, again, be a glorious day of salvation. Now, over time, that which Isaiah spoke, that vision that he gave, inspired of God, it gradually became so unpopular that some began to twist it while others completely rejected it. Now, we see, of course, that Jesus had something very different to say about this anticipated celebration that is yet to happen but again, many wanted to make this future event extremely exclusive. But Jesus reminded and taught that it would instead be very inclusive. And that, uh, as he mentions in Luke chapter 13 and verse 30, kind of leading up to all of this that we find in chapter 14. He said, look, some are going to be last who will be first and the first will be last and, and so on and so forth. And so what he's saying is, look, those who think they're the greatest Really what they're going to find is that there are others who are before them. And what the religious people wanted to do was make it all about those who were, quote, holy. But again, Jesus was reminding them that this was going to be a dinner and, and an invitation for, for those to come of, of all nations. All right. And so as we begin, I want us to look at Luke chapter 14 this morning. And we're going to begin in verse 16 and read actually through 24 this morning and then kind of dive into that together. It says this in verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. Verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. They first, the first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused, wife, and therefore I cannot come. 
So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now, the parable that Jesus uses would have painted a very familiar picture for his listeners who were tuning in at that time and place You see, in traditional Middle Eastern villages, the host of a banquet would invite a group of friends to come. Then, on the basis of the number of people who accepted that invitation, who RSVP'd and said, yes, we're going to be there, all right? He decides then at that point how much and of what kind of meat that will be served. And so then on that next day, the day of the banquet, the animals would appropriately or in measure to the response that was given, all right, would be butchered and prepared. Then when everything was ready, he would send out a servant and basically say to the people, come, everything is ready. Now, what we find in this parable is that the guest list was already, in fact, made and confirmed. Everything was prepared according to the number of those who had responded. And the next day, when everything was ready and the invitation to come was given, what we see happen is the guests each begin to make an excuse, one after the other, after the other, after the other. And so the servant begins to see a trend with what is going on. And so he then returns to the master You see, at first, these excuses can seem completely plausible, especially from our Western perspective, if you will. But within the Middle Eastern culture, these excuses actually would not have only been absurd. They would have been insulting to the one who had invited everyone to the banquet Simply put, every excuse that was used and that Jesus referenced in Scripture would have culturally been a long or known process that basically would they have would have been engaged in those processes for some time. It wouldn't have happened at the spur of the moment kind of situation. And what would have happened is if they had been in those situations, they would not have accepted the invitation. They would have known, look, we're already in this process and I don't have time to attend. And they would have politely uh, declined. But instead, what we see is they begin to make up excuses that in that culture, in that time frame, were just not really plausible. And again, not only were they not plausible, they were insulting. As we see in the parable, the master is offended, but he chooses to turn the insults, the injustice and or the anger into grace. And how many are thankful today that God has given us that element of grace? Amen. If we go back to Luke chapter 14 and we begin again in verse 21, it shows us this this transformation of anger into grace. It says, so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. 
And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. You see, he transitioned from anger at the element of rejection and he shifted into grace. And he said, well, if we have all of this prepared, then let's go out and let's make sure that the room is filled and the house is filled with those who can appreciate and take part of what I have prepared. While there are multiple layers of truth and kingdom revelation wrapped up in this parable, um, I do believe that uh, this week the Lord kind of uniquely began to draw my attention in one particular way. And he began to draw my attention and my focus on the contrast between the heart and mindset of the guest versus the heart and mindset of the servant. And so I want to kind of bring that contrast to light this morning. You see, the master had given a universal invitation to come and partake of everything that had been prepared. But the guests and the servants, we see, responded in completely different ways. Now, we can see clearly and we can know that a guest is invited, right? A guest is somebody who is given an invitation to come and partake. But a servant is not necessarily originally in, invited. They are invested. You see, so there's a difference because a guest is invited and a servant is invested. The guest is removed from the process of preparation, if you will. But the servant is laboring towards that goal of, of the, the banquet, of the, the goal in mind. They are, again, invested. In fact, the, the servant is so invested that they have become what is defined in the Greek as a bond slave. And they have surrendered any ownership rights of their own to the master. You see this same word servant. It is used throughout the New Testament with the highest dignity to describe believers who willingly live under Christ's authority as his devoted followers. You see, servitude by choice, not by enslavement. And I believe today we have that same option to live under and to live by. Servitude by choice, not by enslavement. You see, they weren't just invited to be a part of the banquet. They were invested. They were there to help the master, devoted to his purpose, devoted to his plan for the greater good of all who had been invited to take part of that wonderful banquet. As we can see by the excuses given by the guest, each of them were in some way distracted by their own cares of life. And we know that this is a dangerous place to be as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13 with the parable of the sower and the seed. In verse seven, he said, other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. He goes on to explain in verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. I don't know about you, but I don't want what God is inviting me to, to be choked out by my own desires, my own dreams, by the cares of this world to the extent where I become unfruitful for his kingdom. You see, it was the distractions, it was the cares of life that pulled them away from following through with the invitation that they were given, thus leaving them to make excuses that were implausible and really inexcusable, which ultimately proved them in that moment to be unfruitful. 
Yet we see the invested servant not distracted in this moment, but dedicated to the master and to the task at hand by being engaged in service. You see, they understood all of the work and preparation that went into the invitation. They understood all of that which went into making the banquet happen. They understood the cost associated with the invitation and the price that was paid. They have witnessed firsthand the intention and grace of the master to extend that invitation to whosoever will. Again, there is a difference between the guest and the servant this morning. If we look back at verse 22, it said, The servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. Again, there is an act of obedience there, all right? It says, and still there is room. They're noticing that in this moment, what the, what the master has offered is not fully being taken advantage of. So in verse 23, it says, the master said to the servant, go out even further. Go beyond where you have already gone. Go out and into an extended area, if you will. Go to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. And again, we see the graciousness and the desire and the intention of love from the master that there not be an empty seat at his table. You see, guests, they easily excuse away or dismiss that invitation of grace. Servants, however, extend that invitation of grace outward to anyone and everyone that is willing to come and take a place at the master's table. Because a guest isn't invested. You see, they only seek to occupy a seat at the table when it is convenient for them. Let me say that again. Because a guest isn't invested, they only seek to occupy a seat at the table when it is convenient for them. They only look at the invitation as an opportunity to be served. But for the servant who is invested, they are compelled with a sense of urgency and necessity to help others both understand and find their place at the master's table. With all of this in mind this morning, how are we responding to the master's invitation? Are we responding like an invited guest only seeking to be served? Or are we responding like a servant anticipating on serving others, making sure that there's not an empty seat at the master's table? Do we respond to him, again, only out of our convenience, if it's comfortable and, and timely for us? Or are we sold out to him in such a way because we've surrendered all ownership rights and we're willing to live under his authority as a devoted follower of Christ? Are we this morning distracted by the cares of this life, by the things that pull and weigh us down? Or are we driven with a sense of urgency to go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that his house may be filled. This morning, we all have to wonder, are we living as a guest or are we living as a servant? What is the mindset? What is the attitude of our heart? What are the actions of our lives speaking today? Are they speaking guest? Or are they speaking servant? Because what we need to understand is participation is not possible at a distance. Let me say that again this morning. Participation is not possible 
at a distance. We are either engaged, surrendering all that we are, saying, here I am, a servant to you. I surrender all rights willingly to you to live devoted, to follow you above all things. Or we're saying, I've got this and I'm going to do it my own way in my own time. The truth is this morning, we have all been invited. Each of us today, we have all been invited, but only we can choose for ourselves to accept his invitation and to become invested in what his purpose and his plan is today. Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, says this. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person bringing salvation for everyone. I'm thankful today that we all have the choice to accept this wonderful gift of salvation and that no one is excluded. Again, Jesus was reaffirming the fact that everyone is included. Verse 12 says, This same grace teaches us how to live each day as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age or in this very moment. I'm thankful today that God's grace empowers us to turn our backs on the things that would pull us away from him, but it also empowers us to live a life that is pleasing to him. Verse 13 goes on to say, for we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. You see, the servant understands the price that was paid, the preparation that was taken before the invitation was given and after the invitation was given. And so he understands the cost at hand and he wants to be a part of that greater thing. The guest, however, can only see his own selfish desires and his own place in life. So are we gonna be a people who are passionate, who understand that we are his very own and we're doing beautiful works, not for ourselves, but for him and for his glory? Are we gonna be that servant or are we going to remain being that guest? Today, I would love to encourage you to leave that mindset and that heart of a guest and transition into that place of servitude. Because again, that is where things change. That is where we're transformed. That is where we're renewed and refreshed. That is where we understand better our identity in him as we passionately live our lives for the glory of God. Let's not just be invited. Let's be invested. Amen. Let's not just be invited. Let's be invested. If you would, I want you to just bow your hearts with me this morning as we pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for those minute details that sometimes maybe we miss. Maybe we look over them. But God, I thank you for bringing to my attention this week the difference between a guest and a servant. And Father, I pray that as we examine our own hearts and lives today, that we would get rid of our guest-like tendencies. God, and lay them down. God, giving you full ownership of our life. 
as we determine within ourselves to be that servant, that bond slave, God, that one who is God enslaved by choice. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your word would come to life in us, that we would understand that we are in a time and season where that invitation still remains. God, your word declares that you would, that all would come to repentance. God, that all would come to know your son, Jesus Christ, and have eternal life through him. So, Father, I pray that we would, as good servants, God, never fail to go out, God, to the city streets, God, to the highways and the hedges. God, that we would always be aware enough to understand that there is still room at the master's table. And God, that his desire is that his house will be filled. So God, help us to remove ourselves again from that mindset of just being a guest, just coming to you when it's convenient, just loving on you when it's convenient, just receiving from you when it's convenient. And God, help us to live every day, God, dedicated solely to who you are as we follow your Son and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you again. Challenge us, encourage us through your word today to move from being guests to being servants, fully, wholly dedicated to who you are. Father, I thank you for it in Christ's mighty name. Amen. Now this morning, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I would hate to miss a moment uh, and to, to lead uh, someone to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so maybe this morning, if you're watching and, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, or maybe uh, you've just been living your life away from him and you need to rededicate your life to him this morning, I want you to just uh, repeat this simple prayer after me today and begin uh, that new journey with Jesus Christ. God, I acknowledge my need for a Savior. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who lived and died and now lives again. Forgive me of my sins and wash me clean. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe you raised him from the dead and that he is alive and now lives in me. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or for the 40th time this morning, we just want you to know that we celebrate with you and that all of heaven celebrates when the heart and life are given over or return to Christ. And so today, if that is the case, if you've given your life to Christ for the first time or rededicated your life to him, we want you to just reach out and let us know via the comments or something of that nature and let us know that change took place in your life today so that we can continue to pray for you and reach out to you and help you grow in the Lord from this point forward. 
We also this morning want to pray for those who are sick. We have several uh, within the body who are sick with variating things. And uh, so this morning, I want us to just take a moment and to pray for those who are sick. We have some even the requests that have come in over the last couple of days of those who have uh, people in their family and friend circles and work circles that are um, basically right now struggling with COVID, some of them uh, mildly, but others are near death's door. And so this morning, we want to take a moment and declare healing over those who are experiencing sickness and infirmity in their life this morning. So if you believe that God is a healer, uh, we know that right now uh, we are not bound by uh, being in a building together or not being together. Faith is faith and it works online just like it does in person. And so this morning we want you to pray with us for those who are sick that God is going to begin to, to minister and heal their bodies today. If you would, let's pray together. Father, again, we come before you this morning. God, we have several families, Lord, friends, co-workers who are, God, battling with the element of COVID. And Lord, we know that some of the symptoms are very mild, but God, we know at the same time there are those today, Lord, who are on ventilators and they are near death's door, God, because of this disease and how it is affecting their bodies. But God, we still believe on your word today. God, we believe that by your wounds we are healed. God, we believe that you sent out your world or your word and you healed us. God, you snatched us from the door of death. So God, what we stand on today is the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and the word that you have spoken. God, we stand on nothing more and nothing less. God, we're not here for some form of fancy gimmick or formula. God, it's simply this, that by faith we have received what has been provided to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And so God, we do, we plead the blood. God, we speak the word and we believe today that it is still not by might nor by power, but by your spirit at work. And God, we pray that as your spirit works, Lord, there will be a divine deliverance, a divine healing that sweeps over these family members and their, Lord, their lives, their physical body this morning. Bring healing, bring life, bring that resurrection power, God, into manifested presence in their lives today. And Father, we thank you for doing that. We thank you for the testimonies. We thank you for the healings that are going to be, God, reported from this moment. God, this moment of faith, this moment of prayer poured out before you. And Father, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name. If you would, why don't you in your own way at home just give God thanks and praise for what he's going to do for those individuals today, believing that by faith they are healed in Jesus' name. This morning, we also uh, don't want to fail to uh, pray over and thank the Lord for uh, the finances that have come in this week. We want to, again, just uh, commend you for continuing to be faithful in your giving via online or mail or dropping it off at the church. However, uh, you're deciding to do that. We just, uh, again, want to commend you and say thank you for being faithful. And uh, so let's just pray and thank God for what uh, he is doing in that light. Father, again, we come before you and Lord, we just thank you for the tithe and offering that has been given throughout this week. God, regardless of how it came in, the faithfulness was there, the willingness, the cheerfulness was there. And so, God, we thank you for that. So we pray that you would bless it, break it, multiply it to meet the needs of this church, the ministries, the outreaches thereof. And God, bless the giver. Continue, as you always do, Lord, to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And God, we thank you for your multiplied blessings. In Jesus' name. 
Amen and amen. Just a couple of quick announcements this morning. Uh, we just know that the backpack program uh, is, doing, is doing great there at Earlington, but we know that we could also uh, always use your continued support. So whether that is uh, via money that you want to send in for us to buy food or if you want to buy food while you're out, uh, you find a great deal, a sale, uh, and you bring it by. Whatever works for you works for us, all right? We've had uh, a few do that this week. We had a ton of soup come in, and we're so thankful for that. And uh, so if you find a deal and God... God makes it available for you to, uh, to purchase that for the backpack program. Please do so. Uh, it really does uh, change and transform some lives, and it just reveals the love of Christ, I think, uh, in a very real way. We also could use your continued support for the Christmas blessing program that we're going to be doing. It will be held on December 19th. And so, again, whether that's through um, being able to come and help with the event itself or um, giving, buying of gifts, things of that nature, uh, we want to encourage you uh, to just get involved and watch God do some amazing things in these families who just uh, need that little extra something here at Christmas. Again, we want to thank you for being with us today. We love you. We're praying for you. Stay encouraged. Stay in the word. Stay in prayer. Be, be a worshiper every single day with, with your life and how you choose to live it for the Lord. And we just believe for great and mighty things. And we just say in this moment, be rest and be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.